My grandfather was an architect. I remember visiting him in his office and seeing the tools laid out on his basement drafting board and being captivated by the idea that someone could plan such a large building. As I've grown older, I've often thought of the similarities between designing and drafting a building and our efforts to conscientiously plan and live a life. In this episode, we study the words of two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, focused on the reconstruction of the temple at Jerusalem and, concurrently, the reconstruction of the Israelites' life with the Lord. Study along and consider how you could better build your life this next year. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hey everyone, welcome to our study this week. This is Haggai and Zechariah, and our second to last uh, scripture study of the Come Follow Me year, and our first in December, I think, right? I think so. Not our first study, but yeah, first our episode first week December. of December. We are um, kind of all things Christmas and holiday right now in our house. Our house is torn apart, getting ready for Christmas. We just put up our tree yesterday. and Why does it take so long to put up Christmas uh. stuff? I always say I'm going to like start it in November before Thanksgiving, but I'm usually too tired from Halloween to actually get up. Anyway, so yeah, that's what we're doing. We're like in the clean out and put Christmas up mode, but it's fun. It's so fun. Well, this is a fitting study for this time of year. Um, One just contextual point is the book of Zechariah. If you read Zechariah at the beginning of it, he has eight visions that are recounted one right after the other. They're all received on the same night, and they're all received right before the new year. So these are kind of Zechariah's Christmas visions. But even more importantly, I have two scripture jokes for you, Krista Joe, about um, finding the holidays in the scriptures. Are you ready I'm for this? I'm so excited. <laughs> you got your eye I roll, have a joke your eye roll you queued too. up. <laughs> I will say, Zach said he had a Christmas joke, and I said, well, I have one too. We haven't told each other these jokes, so, so you're going to get real-time reaction. Okay, here I'm you go. I'm so excited. Joke number one. I didn't know you had two, though. I got two. I feel pressured. Yeah. Okay. So Zechariah chapter 5, verse 1. This is a Thanksgiving reference, especially when you're having Thanksgiving uh, with angry family members. Then I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked and beheld a flying roll. Because it was a Thanksgiving <laughs> food fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one right <laughs> good actually what does he mean though it's a flying scroll probably like i saw oh. a scroll in the air but in the king james it says flying roll which <laughs> is kind of fun now I, I want to have a food fight with rolls at my next thanksgiving <laughs> kate your turn you get to do yours because my last one will take the cake oh yeah so um my first one is what why did the prophet cross the road <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that's not the joke i just had to have two <laughs> anyone want to come up with a really good to... ending <laughs> they can email us <laughs> no okay so my real joke when zach said he's like i have a joke for zechariah and i said oh good because i have one for hage 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 i 
<laughs> my, my joke is because okay i've always said hag ai like i just said it hag ai i think maybe is that the way some people say it or Probably. is it but zach keeps calling it hag guy hag guy and i just kept thinking i'm gonna start that's my joke it's hey guy that's it <laughs> what do you call to a prophet when you want him to cross the street maybe that Hey guy! Hey guy! Oh, good one! <laughs> you, go. you made it up right go. on the spot. You, Zach out joked me today, and well, he, he's only said two or one of his. Here's the winner joke: um, Santa is in the scriptures, and he is in Zechariah chapter two, verse six. You have to read it in the King James. It says, "Ho, ho! Come forth and flee from the land of the north," saith the Lord. Wow. So that is a prophecy about Santa Claus. Even coming from the north. Even coming from the land of the north. Yep. Ho, ho, and you, flee this and come from the land of the north. first time heard here. <laughs> I have been married to this man for a while, and I've never heard these jokes before. Kept him reserved for just this moment. You're pulling out new stops just for this. And I've heard a lot of dumb scripture jokes from him, So, but these ones were actually quite good. <laughs> so you're Merry welcome. Christmas. There you go. <laughs> Oh, well, there is a lot more in these scriptures than just uh, cheesy jokes. Um, I actually really like these two. I I love the way that the Old Testament ends. These last three prophets, I think last week we were maybe in a bit of a bad mood and kind of complaining about more minor prophets prophesying more destruction. Uh, But this week is different. Um, With Haggai and Zechariah, we step forward a couple hundred years we're not prophesying about the, destru- the impending destruction of Israel or Judah. Uh, we're talking now about Jews who are being allowed to return to Jerusalem. This is now when the Persians have conquered Babylon. Um, and Cyrus has allowed them to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And they've gone back and they started rebuilding, but they've had a bunch of just problems and obstacles. If you go back and read Ezra and Nehemiah and you remember those, that's where those problems come. You have Sanballat and the governors and trying to put in obstacles and file petitions to not let them rebuild the temple. Uh, The Samaritan conflicts, which is where the Jews and the Samaritans, uh, kind of some of their anger starts. Uh, But Haggai and Zechariah have the task as prophets, both of them around the same time, to really motivate Israel to, to continue building the temple, to not give up and to continue to reconstruct their, their lives and their worship, uh, the, the house of the Lord, and to rebuild after these years, decades, centuries of uh, destruction and captivity. And so Haggai starts off, he actually uses a Hebrew word that's translated as an English word that doesn't convey at all uh, the full use of the Hebrew word. It's a very versatile Hebrew word. It shows up all over the place. Um, it shows up, this is the maybe the better tran- uh, translation. It shows up in verse 15 and verse 18 as the word laid. Uh, the Hebrew word is sum or sim, and it's a building word. It means to set or to place or to lay or to put something in order. And so he says, uh, it, for example, in chapter 2, verse 18, Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and the twentieth day of the ninth month, even to the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. However, 
the word consider in that verse is the exact same Hebrew word. And that word shows up, uh, that translation consider shows up all over the place. It's in verse 5, consider your ways. In verse 7, consider your ways. It's in verse 15 and in verse 18. And what this may possibly mean is that Haggai's kind of having a play on words just a little bit. As Israel is rebuilding the temple, he's asking them to consider how they are building or rebuilding their own lives. And as I read that, I thought this is a really fitting question for us here at the end of a calendar year and looking at the beginning of a new year. Um, when we have a chance to kind of reflect on the year and to consider our ways, to look back at the building of our life, if you will, over the past 12 months and see uh, what's going on and how strong it is and if there's places that need to be strengthened, etc. But then to look ahead at a new year and consider what we might want to build or construct in our life uh, going forward. And so I think this is a really kind of valuable and relevant study for this time of year. Yeah, and I wonder um, if many of you, I'm trying to convey what I think of when I hear the word consider. And for me, it comes out in an emoji. And maybe you'll know this emoji that I'm thinking of, but it's what do you consider? And I picture that little emoji where the guy's got his um, hand under his chin and he's looking up kind of in this like thoughtful pose. <laughs> maybe you're, maybe you're thinking, I think it clicked for Zach. He knows, mm-hmm. but he can see me. I was just doing it like, Oh, um, I like the word consider because I think that we need pauses and we need spaces in our life and in our days and in everything we do to really consider and look at what we're doing instead of just on the rabbit, what do you call it? The mouse wheel, the rabbit the hole, hamster the, wheel. The yeah. hamster wheel. Um, and really take a break. And I think that for us, this study has kind of felt that way. Like Zach mentioned, these we've kind of been a little bit run down with just um, getting ready to end out this year, pretty much with the podcast and with the Old Testament. Um, but this has kind of been a little bit of a breath of fresh air for us to be able to consider what we're studying and what we're doing and maybe start off the new year and even this holiday season in a way where we're pausing and considering. Yeah. So what we want to do, of course, your study will be your highlight, but uh, the question that I think could be really powerful to ask ourselves is what principles of building a thoughtful and divinely intended life can we learn from these two building prophets? What do we learn from Haggai and Zechariah about how to consider or how to build a life that's meaningful and powerful? And the first one I want to share uh, comes right after the use of that word in Haggai chapter one, verse five. So I'll read verse five and then verse six. Verse five, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. In verse 9, you looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. 
in verse 15, again, I pray you consider from this day upward, before the stone was laid, there's that uh, Hebrew word again, uh, before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days were when one came to an heap and 20 measures, there were but 10, and when one came to the press fat for the draw out 50 vessels out of the press, there were but 20. In other words, these are, these are harvesting metaphors. You came and thought you were going to get 20 measures of, of wheat, but you were only able to get 10. You thought you were going to get 50 vases of wine, but you were only able to get 20. Uh, and then in verse 18, the verse I already read, consider essentially why is this happening? And the why question he answers in verse 9. Why, middle of the verse, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Do you remember when our when early restored church members get to Kirtland, uh, there's one of the very first things that's revealed to them is that they need to build the temple. However, there's a very realistic problem that they also need to build houses uh, in Kirtland. And as they begin to build their houses, they neglect the temple. And a revelation, a reviewing, repeating, and a bit of a chastising revelation comes to Joseph, uh, essentially telling them the same thing. You are spending all of this time uh, focusing on your own house without attending to the commandment I have given you to build a house for me. And so they repent and they change and they build this house. And the, the reason why they, the Lord wants that house built is it serves as a place where he can be. It serves as a place of spiritual strength for the saints. Uh, it serves as a place of protection and refuge to bring the Lord's blessings on that place. So he knows that with that house there, they're building a much more spiritually defensible place. There have been some historians that suggest that maybe what happened in Kirtland, uh, some of the troubles that we had in Kirtland came because we didn't have that spiritual protection in place early enough or long enough and therefore didn't enjoy the blessings of the Lord quite as long as we would have. Whether that's true or not, it is, I think, a point that Haggai is making that uh, you're spending all this time running to your own house. You're, you're racing to get done what you want to get done, to work and to harvest but it's not working the way you want. I love the image at the end of verse six. You're earning wages, but putting them into a bag with holes. Uh, Zechariah will share a similar idea when he talks about fasting in chapter six, verse five. And he asks the question of the people, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those 70 years, meaning when you were fasting in the wilderness for all that time, uh, when you're fasting in captivity for all that time, did you at all fast unto me, even to me? And when you did eat and when you did drink, did you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? I think the subtle but implied truth here is the Lord has the ability to help us construct things that are eternal and eternally significant and lasting. We as mortals do not have that ability. I have no power to build something or to construct something that lasts beyond decay and, and destruction that mortality can bring. Only the Lord knows how to help, how to build something that really lasts. And so if we're looking at what we're going to build in our lives, I think one of the principles to start with is, um, am, I, am I building something in connection with the Lord? Am I building his house? Am I following his directions? Am I building something in my life that's lasting? Or am I focusing on my own work, on my own priorities that 
may not be uh, as successful as I want. Might be like putting something in a bag of holes. One thing I love about that message is that it's not exclusive to just those, that idea that either you're building a temple or you're focusing on your own spaces and your own things and your own work. But what I, I really love about that idea is that they can be, they can come together. Like God's work is often our own work. Uh, many of the things that we do are already building his kingdom or are already um, part of what he wants us to accomplish. But I think that that's an important part is consider adding him to the mix of your life, of allowing him to help you build things that um, can make it more meaningful or make it more eternal. I even think of of family life or careers that you have that are really adding to the greater human race or building little people if you're parents or um, helping the community around you. Those can all be things that God is also very invested in. And so as we allow him to help us and inspire us in whatever those different roles are, um, that they can become more meaningful and allow that not only to be something that matters to us, but also be something that matters to him. Um, It was last week in a sacrament meeting that I just really loved the message that was shared. And it was a ward member of ours talking about his career was he wanted to go into a career where he felt like he was helping the world feel, you know, one little better spot in the world. And he's doing that through agriculture and making sure that the world has, is fed, that all of these people get food and that he's really been and felt inspired that that's something that really matters to God. And for some reason that just really felt, well, it's a great example of this, but also that like God cares about a lot of people and about a lot of things, and we can be allowed to be a part of his work, but also make him a part of our work. Well, along with that message is the next thing that, that I'll share is this idea that shows up often in these verses and it's Haggai. I can't even say it. Haggai. Haggai. One of the prophets that we are studying today, <laughs> um, speaking, I'm going to quote from a couple, but this shows up. This is a pattern of these prophets um, speaking for the Lord. And the the thought is that I am with you, that the Lord is with you. So I'll read first in Haggai <laughs> chapter 1, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. This is the Lord's declaration. And then again in chapter 2, verse 5, This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. And then now in Zechariah, this is chapter 2, verse 5, The declaration of the Lord, I myself will be a wall of fire around it, and I will be the glory within it. Skipping down to verse 10, Daughter Zion, shout for joy and be glad, for I am coming to dwell among you. This is the Lord's declaration. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on that day and become my people. I will dwell among you, and you will know that the Lord of armies has sent me to you. I just love the way that those verses and this thought that the Lord is with you. He will build walls to help us. He will be with us in the little projects and the big projects that we do. Whether we're literally building, helping to build a temple or helping to build maybe the people in our own congregations and in our own wards. Um, 
but also that he's with us in the other things that we're doing too, and that we can include them. And I get a little bit, I don't know, this, this thought makes me feel excited. It makes me feel excited that to remember that I'm not doing things alone. I think that sometimes it can feel heavy when we're making decisions and trying to push and feel like we've made accomplishments or that we're doing anything that, um, that we can include God in this and that he can help us to move on and make great things or maybe just feel comforted that we're doing a good job when maybe we feel like we're not. I really like that. In fact, I was just reading, this is Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. One of the concerns that people are having to whom Haggai and Zechariah are speaking is that they have seen this great miracle and that Cyrus has let the Jews return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. But then they've also seen a great disappointment in that uh, this the efforts to reconstruct the temple have been stalled. And so they're worrying that that was it, that they had this little tiny, uh, Zechariah calls it the day of small things in verse 10. And the prophets have this work to try and convince the people, no, the Lord is still going to rebuild his temple and his people. And the question is, how is that going to happen then? And the answer in verse 6 in chapter 4, uh, this is to Zerubbabel, the, the individual who actually builds the temple, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, we're going to rebuild the temple, but it's not going to be the way that you expect it to be built. It won't be built by strength or sword. It's going to be built because I, the Lord, am with you. My spirit is with you, and I'm involved in the things that you're doing. And I love that you point out those two principles balanced together. Um, if I am about the Lord's work, building his temple, his house, his, his focusing on the things that are important to him, and then also involving him and seeing that he's present in the things that I am building. That's such a beautiful reciprocal relationship that I think we can develop as we, um, as we build in the name of the Lord. The last one that uh, I found that was really meaningful for me, one of the things we all, I'm sure, love about Zechariah is the, the amount of messianic prophecies that show up in Zechariah. This is one of the books quoted quite frequently because the prophecies about the Messiah so cleanly and clearly fit with Jesus of Nazareth. Matt, Matthew draws upon Zechariah all the time to point out exactly how Jesus is fulfilling these prophecies. And that's important because the prophecies in Zechariah about the Messiah are unexpected. So, for example, a very well-known one in chapter 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on an ass and upon a colt the foal of an ass. In other words, this is the prophecy from which when Jesus rides into Jerusalem for his triumphal entry uh, and he's riding on a donkey, he is fulfilling this prophecy. And the people recognize that that was a fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy. But uh, it's an unexpected prophecy for a Messiah. Instead of coming into Jerusalem on a war horse uh, in a conquering position, he comes lowly and riding on a donkey. Then when he's there, uh, he will be smitten and hit and stricken. And that shows up in Zechariah chapters 
12 and 13, uh, chapter 12, verse 10. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And then chapter 13, verse 6, this one is referenced in Doctrine and Covenants. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then shall he answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Um, and so this um, prophecy, these prophecies of the Messiah are unexpected. This isn't the conquering Messiah that was a little bit more popularly prophesied before the exile and before captivity. Now we have uh, these prophecies of this, not that any of those were inaccurate or incorrect, but the understanding of them was we're going to have this conquering hero, the son of David, that's going to save us and wage war against all of our enemies and destroy everybody. They didn't understand the spiritual impact of those prophecies that the Messiah was going to come and wage spiritual war on spiritual enemies and conquer sin. Here, Haggai and Zechariah, especially Zechariah, is being a lot more specific on just how meek and lowly this Messiah will be uh, and that he'll come and submit himself to cruelty and to injustice so that he can save his people. And as I think about us building things, um, I think if we are going to be disciples of Christ, we're going to have to learn to expect the unexpected. Uh, the way that the Lord works is unique to him. And I think sometimes in, in pretty stark contrast to the way we might expect God to work, especially from our, I don't know, I'll say Western perspective, our first world perspective, if we have one, which is it's going to have, it's, he's going to be strong and he's going to be mighty and he's going to be powerful. And so I'm going to set these goals that are all about conquering great things and doing incredible things. And when in reality the Lord is meek and lowly and humble and works in small and sometimes unnoticeable ways, um, but in ways that really last and make a difference. Thank you so much for studying with us. Join us next week for our last episode of the year. And happy December. Happy December.